Nowadays, a lot of these big companies pretend to care about our communities and issues with nothing more than lip service. State Farm is the opposite. They're actively investing in programs and initiatives that help educate in financial literacy, give early career advice, and grow Black-owned businesses, thus leading to generational wealth, which helps protect the future of our communities. Seeing our communities grow and thrive is something they care deeply about. They want to build a future that we all can be proud of. State Forum understands that representation alone doesn't mean authenticity, that it takes a good neighbor to sponsor programs like the AXO, a year-long program that recognizes and rewards high school students for their academic and cultural achievements, and to fund programs like Project Ready, a National Urban League program committed to the educational achievement of black and brown youth that to date participants have been awarded over $11 million in scholarship offers. State Farm believes that being better neighbors creates better communities and can have a long-lasting impact. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Hey ladies, it's Dr. Joy. As women, we put our hearts into everything. May is High Blood Pressure Education Month, and it's time to focus on our heart health. Release the Pressure wants to help Black women look at self-care as an act of self-preservation. During High Blood Pressure Education Month, let's help get to our goal of 100,000 Black women putting their hearts first and learn more about their heart health. Visit iHeartRadio.com RTP for a chance to receive a $1,000 gift card to take care of yourself and prioritize your heart health. That's iHeartRadio.com RTP. For the first time in a while, I have quite a bit of fun travel coming up this summer. And I'm really counting on Macy's to help round out my wardrobe for some of these trips. Right now, I've got my eye on a new bag and sandals from Coach and some super cute tops and dresses from Macy's on 34th brand. And you can never really have too many pairs of sunglasses. And there are a lot of cute options to explore right now. If you need a little help getting your summer look together, shop at Macy's.com slash own your style. You may have heard that most people who are black have O-type blood. O is commonly needed for emergencies. But did you know one in three of us is a match for patients with sickle cell disease? Regardless of blood type, every day our blood saves lives and eases the pain of those living with sickle cell. Donate blood at Red Cross to help save a life. Black excellence is in our blood. Visit redcrossblood.org ourblood to make an appointment now. Buying your first car can make you feel like a superstar as it's a big purchase, but it can take time to get there. Intuit is the financial platform that helps everyday people prosper. Whether you're trying to manage your money or trying to run a business, Intuit gives you the confidence to take control of your finances so you can live your best life. Intuit helps you take control of your finances through products like TurboTax, Credit Karma, QuickBooks, and MailChimp. Intuit has helped 100 million people live their best financial lives. Visit Intuit.com, I-N-T-U-I-T.com to start living yours. Let's get into it. Welcome to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast, a weekly conversation about mental health, personal development, and all the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden Bradford, a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia. For more information or to find a therapist in your area, visit our website at therapyforblackgirls.com. While I hope you love listening to and learning from the podcast, 
It is not meant to be a substitute for a relationship with a licensed mental health professional. Hey, y'all. Thanks so much for joining me for session 193 of the Therapy for Black Girls podcast. Like many of you, I've been spending a considerable amount of time watching all of the shows and thought it would be fun to have a little recap of what's been happening on a couple of my favorites and dig into some of the themes that have popped up. Joining me today to chat about the most recent episodes of This Is Us and Married at First Sight is Beverly Andre. Beverly is a licensed marriage and family therapist in the states of Florida, New York, and New Jersey, and is the owner of Be Hard Counseling Services. Her work teaches black and brown women how to break down and unpack narratives that no longer serve them. She's a member of the American Association for Marriage and Family Therapy and is also a Prepare Enrich certified premarital facilitator. Beverly and I chatted about the breathtaking last episode of This Is Us entitled Birth Mother. We discussed the power of the stories we hold on to in our lives, the impact of grief as it's shown in this episode, the symbolism of water, and the importance of having non-judgmental safe spaces like the ones that often exist with our aunties. We also chatted about the newest season of Married at First Sight. We discussed some of our thoughts about the compatibility and readiness of some of the couples, what you might want to think about before choosing to apply for this type of show, our thoughts about what indicates success for the couples, and of course, some of the red flags that already seem to be popping up this season. This conversation does include spoilers, so if you haven't watched either episode and you want to, press pause here and save it until you're done. And be sure to share your thoughts about these shows with us on social media using the hashtag TBG in session. Here's our conversation. Thank you so much for joining me today, Beverly. Thank you for having me, Dr. Do I really appreciate it. You're like my shero. Oh, thank you. you. Yeah. So Beverly and I and Dr. Coakley have this kind of informal little text thing going on on Twitter where we live Mm -hmm. tweet, this is us. And so I felt like I could not let the last episode of this is us go without like talking about it on the podcast. So just so many different themes and it was just shot so beautifully. So I feel like we talk about this a lot on the podcast, just how some episodes of TV, like we talked about this with Insecure, we talked about it some with Queen Sugar, some episodes of TV are just done so beautifully. And I think we have to start by talking about the Black women who had their hand all in this episode. So it was written by Ebony Freeman and Kay Oyegun. And also directed by Kay. And I feel like that is a large part of why it was just so incredible. Right. Like, I knew something was different about this episode. And I can't remember who tweeted it, but they were like, oh, two Black women pretty much spearheaded this. And I was like, there is no other person that I could have imagined that would have been able to tell the story of Randall's family in addition to his mother, but his family. And to see the dynamics of, you know, them living in New Orleans and everything that went into why things were done 
within their family. Yeah. And I do feel like there is a way that that story was told that it had to have come from Black people, right? Mm -hmm. Like the nuances and just the dynamics in the relationships felt very familiar. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So this felt like one of those hallmark episodes for This Is Us. And I feel like they give us at least one every season, right? And who knows, they might turn up the drama and we get multiple this season. But it feels like every season there is at least one of these episodes that bring so many other pieces of the story together. Mm-hmm. Um, and so in this story or in this episode, of course, we get the full backstory about what has happened with Randall's mother. And so up until this point, Randall has had this story of like his coming into the earth as being dropped off at the fire station because his mom died and adopted by the white family. Mm-hmm. And now we get this whole backstory about what has really happened with his birth mom, Laurel. So what did you think about this episode just kind of in connection to all of the other things we see in the series? Everything that I've seen in this series, I think the episode that sticks out to me the most would be with him and William. I think it's like the Memphis episode. And you mm-hmm. really got to understand William, his backstory and what led him to, you know, being where he was in life. And I think the same honor and reverence that was given to William was given to Laurel because up until this point, Laura was just like, okay, well, you know, she was just a black woman who, you know, got caught up on drugs and she OD and that was it. And I just think about the symbolism of how black people, especially black women, we are limited to these descriptors, right? Like, oh, well, she's that, she's that. And this is what happened to her, right? I think about how we don't really delve into who that person is, their likes, their wants, their desires, their hopes, their dreams. I mean, this episode captured all of it. Like when she was a little girl and you can clearly see like her desire to just be free spirited, to explore all the things, but still having to live in the confines of being a respectable child. Her dad's a banker. They are part of high society to a degree. And it's just like, She's sitting at dinner with her dad and he asks his questions and I could see the anxiety in her. Like, I have to live up to his expectations of me when in reality, all I want to do is just go swim in the lake, not worry about my pressing curl and chill barefoot in the garden with my aunt, you know? So I think about just the dualities of us having to live out these expectations, but not really live out what we really want to do in life or just to have those life experiences. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, when I was watching it, so I've watched it at least three times now. But what really stood out to me, and I'm glad you pointed this out, is that it feels like there is a real connection between who Laurel was as a young woman and who mm-hmm. Beth actually was as a young Ooh, woman. Right. And some of those yes. same family pressures. Right. So we saw in one of those episodes, I think maybe last season or two seasons ago, this whole tension between Beth and her mom and wanting okay. to dance. Right. And so it feels like they came from similar backgrounds. So I found it really interesting that even though Randall did not grow up with a connection to his birth mother, he still ended up with someone who very much feels familiar to who his birth mother was. Right, who had similar um, journeys. And so I think about the parallels of Black girls and their parents, right? And what goes into parenting. You know, I'm not a mother yet, but, you know, I just think about what narratives do I want to carry on with my children, right? How do I want to parent them? Do I want to parent them to live their lives to their fullness how they want? Or am I going to 
have a stronger voice in how I perceive their life should turn out. Because when the dad was like, oh, you know, he's wanting to propose to you and you will say yes. I'm just like, she is a young lady. And you're literally telling her, this is how your life is going to be carried out. And I'm just thinking about like, where does that stem from? What is that connected to? How can another individual literally say, this is what you're going to do for the rest of your life? Because assuming that, you know, she got married and divorce was just not tolerated, right? It's like you fall in line or you're exed out, just like his sister was. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think, you know, that often happens, right? And I think sadly, a lot of it generationally comes from a place of survival, right? So right. these ideas that our parents and our grandparents, our great grandparents had for what like was successful and what was needed for people to really just survive as black people in the world. I think it came from that place, but I think we do have to examine whether that still fits for us now. And sadly, I do think a lot of parents still carry on this. This is what I want for your life, right? Without very little leeway being given to what the child actually wants their life to look like. Right. Because that parenting, like you said, comes out of survival mode. It comes out, I am parenting you in a way so that you can live to see another day so that you can have the best possible outcome of doing okay in this life because they have that recognition of, you know, what it is to be black in America, especially in New Orleans at the time. Like you want to align with people who can essentially take care of you. And so, you know, you don't want to shame the family. You don't want to bring dishonor to the family. You need to stick to our values and our morals. You need to learn these proverbs because when you learn the proverbs and you can live out those proverbs, not to say that it wasn't important to her, but it wasn't the sum of Laurel's experience. She didn't want that to be the sum of her experience. She wanted more. And unfortunately, she couldn't find more in her household. Like she knew if she still stayed in that town, she would not be able to live a life that she thought was worthy of her. Right. So I want to go back to something that you mentioned, because I also thought that this was so beautiful, just the relationship that aunties have in our Mm -hmm. lives. Right. And so it really felt like there was just such a beautiful relationship between Laurel and her aunt May. I think that that speaks to kind of being able to have safe adults in your life as a Mm -hmm. kid. And I don't know, correct me if I'm wrong, Beverly, did they really go into why the dad and aunt May had such a fractured relationship? So She made a comment when Laurel came back, she made a comment that she had fell in love with the man who was married Uh, and she had got pregnant. Okay. And I can assure you that, you know. Yeah, that probably would not have gone away at that time. Like, you got the scarlet letter, like, forever. So I'm going to assume that's what it was. Got it. Got it. Okay. Yeah. So I wonder if you had some thoughts about that, just about like the theme of kind of having these people in your life. And it feels like a lot of time it is an auntie, right? Who is the person like you can talk to if you can't talk to your mom or your dad, right? Or the person who maybe teaches you to drive or teaches you about sex, right? Like these people who are maybe outside of your parental unit, but are still very safe and comforting to you as a child. Right. They are trusted individuals and also individuals who don't take on the responsibility of another individual's choices. I think when it comes to parents, some parents, it's it's very difficult for them to not see their child's choices as a reflection of them, Mm -hmm. right? So when you have an auntie, someone who is removed, 
from that responsibility. It's like, I can hold space for you to be who you need to be right now, right? I'm going to give you that advice if you want that advice, right? I'm going to be that shoulder for you. And also, I'm going to highlight how you can own your feelings. Because when when her and Aunt May were at the lake and, you know, Jackson, her brother, passed, and she validated everything that Laura was unable to explain. And then she was just like, you know, just go in the water and do what you need to do. And, like, she put the love into action. She literally told her, like, just take the time for yourself. Scream, do whatever you need, but own this space, own these feelings that you have. And I can imagine that that's not something that she received from her parents, right? I'm not going to assume anything because we didn't get the backstory, but, you know, for how things were so closed off in the family, I can't imagine them coming together and sharing in their grief. I could assume that was probably maybe very isolating for how they each experienced their grief. So to have that shared connection with Aunt May, I think that was beautiful. Mm -hmm. I felt her scream like it came from the guts. Like that was the ancestors coming out of her mouth. I just felt that. Yeah, yeah. And I think you're right. I think there's something incredibly poignant about kind of teaching her how to do that for herself, right? Because we would see her often return to the water, right? So it was a very powerful kind of modeling of like self-care and like this is how you cope and like this is how you tolerate your distress in a lot of ways is by giving it to the water. Right. And I just think about the symbolism of water. Yes. Rebirth, refresh. I mean, baptismal, you know, like you leaving the old behind and rising, you know, washing away of sin. Just just all of that, all of those burdens that that people just hold on to just the symbolism of going in that water, dunking in your head, not worried about your pressing curl and just being, you know. Yeah. And how beautiful was it? I mean, we're kind of clearly going out of turn, but that doesn't matter. How beautiful was it to then have it kind of towards the end with Randall going to the water, right? Oh, so incredible. So incredible. I mean, so, you know, to kind of go to this place where he knows that his mother has also visited and then have her visit him basically in the water, right? And I just thought about how powerful that symbolism was that he was then now able to kind of leave these burdens in the water. I'm literally teary-eyed because that full circle moment, I said, God, they did it. They did it. This is a moment in TV history that you will never forget because he has never truly had a relationship with his mother, right? And I believe you can have relationships with people beyond the physical, right? Mm -hmm. But he didn't have any context to her life, nothing. So when he got into that water and he was just honest with himself and honest to his mother, the hurt, the feelings of, I thought I was abandoned. I thought I was unwanted. I thought I was unloved, right? When he was talking to Hi and he was like, well, why didn't she come find me? I literally heard the child voice of Mm -hmm. Randall. Why didn't she love me? Why did she leave me? Why didn't she come look for me? Did she not... All of those questions that were unsaid came out in that scene. All of the hurt, all the resentment, all of that came out when he was in that water. And when he said that he was it, I think he was talking to Beth and he's like, I just feel lighter. I just feel better. I mean, can you think about it all your life, 40 something years old, thinking that your people didn't want you? Mm -hmm. 
I don't know what that does to you mentally to just think that, to not know your roots Mm -hmm. and to be in your family land. That's now yours. Right. Just so many things going on. Right. And I think it's interesting because we do have a little bit of an inkling of what has happened with Randall is that he's developed some pretty significant anxiety. Right. You know, at least, you know, that's one of the things that we know that he's worked with a therapist on, Mm -hmm. you know, so we can kind of see now with the whole story, how some of that has kind of impacted him in his life. Right. He has lived a life. The inception of his life has been out of control. So in every facet of his life, he tries to control. We know as therapists that there's no way that you can control everything in life. Like there's certain measures you can take, but when he tries to do that in all his relationships, work relationships, personal, like he was driving himself nuts, Mm -hmm, like mm -hmm. having panic attacks and not being able to sleep and it manifesting physically. I'm just really excited to see his journey moving forward. Now that that piece of his life that he's been able to gain access to. Yeah. And I think it it feels like he didn't fully understand the weight of how not having this piece of the story had impacted him. Right. Because he had always just believed that she died, you know, kind of right after giving birth to him. And so there was no way really for him to know that there was another part of this story. And so you're right. I am also excited to see where the story will take him now that we do have this additional piece of the story. Mm-hmm. Dr. Joy, that breakthrough was everything. Yeah, and you know what else I thought about Beverly (laughs) in thinking about, so it'll be interesting ones that kind of, because we know he has a Black male therapist that he's working with now, Uh right? And so it'll be interesting to one, see if he talks about this. Well, I'm sure he will talk about this with his therapist, but I don't know if we'll get to see it. But how will remind him. (laughs) (laughs) You're right, you're right. But in describing what happened to him in the water, right? I also thought about, this feels like an issue of like cultural sensitivity also, right? Because I think if he is telling that story to you or I or to his Black therapist that he sees on the show, there's no like, okay, what's going on here? I think that there's an instant like, yeah, we get it, right? Like you were connecting to your mother in a way that felt very significant and powerful. Whereas I don't know if a non-Black therapist gets the weight of that. Right. Right. Or even questions like, oh, is this a delusion? Right. Like is what's happening here. Right. You know, so that scene also made me think about just the importance of like being culturally attuned to different experiences with people who have passed. Right. I think that was like probably the first time that I really saw an aspect of Randall's spirituality Mm. and the supernatural. I mean, I know he, you know, he went to the church, you know, when he was trying to get elected, but the scene in the water, just a spiritual connection and the healing that comes from that, I think is very specific to the Black experience. I don't even know how I would be able to convey that experience to a non-Black therapist. And I think hearing their conversation, I really hope that they do. Honestly, I really hope that they have a scene where you hear Randall just talking about how the manifestation of his mother and how it connected to his healing with Mm. his grief, with his understanding of who he is, who his family is. Like he now has access to family, right? So if he wanted to go see if he has cousins or other aunts, like all of that is now a possibility for him. Mm -hmm. When before that video went viral, it was not a possibility. 
Right, right. Yeah, I, I know they will be masterful in the storytelling, so we just got to kind of stay tuned, I'm sure. We'll hear more from Beverly right after this break. Nowadays, a lot of these big companies pretend to care about our communities and issues with nothing more than lip service. State Farm is the opposite. They're actively investing in programs and initiatives that help educate in financial literacy, give early career advice, and grow Black-owned businesses, thus leading to generational wealth, which helps protect the future of our communities. Seeing our communities grow and thrive is something they care deeply about. They want to build a future that we all can be proud of. State Forum understands that representation alone doesn't mean authenticity, that it takes a good neighbor to sponsor programs like the AXO, a year-long program that recognizes and rewards high school students for their academic and cultural achievements, and to fund programs like Project Ready, a National Urban League program committed to the educational achievement of Black and Brown youth that to date participants have been awarded over $11 million in scholarship offers. State Farm believes that being better neighbors creates better communities and can have a long-lasting impact. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Hey ladies, it's Dr. Joy here. May is High Blood Pressure Education Month. It's crucial for us, especially as Black women, to focus on our heart health. We pour our heart and soul into every aspect of our lives, but often our own health takes a back seat. That's where release the pressure comes in. It's all about us. Black women seeing self-care as an essential act of self-preservation. Whether it's for yourself, your family, or our community, your health is invaluable. Let's help to get our goal of 100,000 Black women putting their hearts first and learn more about their heart health. Here's how you can join in. Head over to iHeartRadio.com RTP for a chance to receive a $1,000 gift card to take care of yourself and prioritize your heart health. Let's make our health a priority. Visit iHeartRadio.com RTP today. Together, we can make a difference in our health and our lives. Join us and let's take care of our hearts together. May is Asian American and Pacific Islander Heritage Month. And Macy's is highlighting some really cool AAPI-owned brands right now online and in-store. Some of my favorites are the jewelry from Hey Maeve, and the skincare products from Kaja. For the entire month of May, join Macy's in supporting AAPI-owned fashion brands. You can show your support by donating online or by rounding up in store to benefit APIA scholars. APIA is the nation's leading nonprofit organization devoted to the academic, personal, and professional success of Asian American, Native Hawaiian, and Pacific Islander students. Join me by rounding up your purchase to the nearest dollar at checkout to support API Scholars, an educational nonprofit. Shop Asian American and Pacific Islander-owned brands at Macy's.com or in-store. You may be aware that most people who are Black have O-type blood. O is commonly needed for emergencies and life-saving measures. But did you know one in three of us is a match for patients with sickle cell disease? You, along with the American Red Cross, regardless of your blood type, can help by donating blood. Every day, our blood saves lives and eases the pain for those living with sickle cell. When you donate blood, there is a direct positive impact within our community. Right now, there is great need for blood donations in the African-American community. Every donation counts and makes a difference in someone's life. Donate blood at Red Cross to help save a life. Black excellence is in our blood. 
Visit redcrossblood.org slash ourblood to make an appointment now. Are you ready for a family vacation you will never forget? One where anything is possible? If so, it's time to plan your getaway to sunny Orlando. Orlando really is the ultimate family destination. It's time to break out the matching bedazzled t-shirt, dust off your go-to dad jokes, and prepare for exciting thrills, never-ending food festivals, and fresh new dining experiences, and so much more. Of course, you know that Orlando is the theme park capital of the world, with 15 of the world's top theme parks and water parks all in one place, and beyond the parks, there is also excitement and family fun around every corner. If you're ready to plan an epic Orlando vacation, but you're not sure where to start, you can talk one-on-one with one of their Visit Orlando vacation planners. In Orlando, anything is possible. If you can imagine it, plan your escape today and save at visitorlando.com. So the other thing that you have mentioned a couple of times that was clearly something else that was prominent in this episode was the idea of grief, right? And we saw that in multiple different ways, you know, so just the grief related to Randall already kind of not knowing this full piece of the story with his mother, but also the grief with her related to kind of having to leave her family because they didn't agree with her decisions, the grief of losing her brother, the grief of, you know, not being able to have as close of a relationship with Aunt May as she would like. So it felt like there just was grief compounding on grief, compounding on grief that I think we then see kind of how her life unfolds when she hasn't really been able to process that. I mean, that, it just felt a cloud of just heaviness. Like, you know, I told you earlier that I'm from Florida and when it rains, that humidity and the weight of that is just so heavy. And that's what it felt like the entire episode. One moment for me was when the cops arrested her. Right. First of all, the judgment from the nurses. So that's mm. that's a whole separate conversation about, you know, judgment from the medical profession in addition to cops and all of that. But when she went to go call her dad. And it was just like silence. Like she wasn't saying anything. It was just breathing. And I think the most important, heaviest moments of that episode was the hope of, will she ask her dad for help? Mm -hmm. And she just put the phone down and my heart just broke because I knew, I knew it was going to go downhill from there. Yeah. I knew it. You hear about the prison being so full they sent her all the way to California and I'm just thinking just her experience of being on the whole other side of the U.S. not knowing what happened to her child not knowing what happened to William and just having to sit in a cell and just reflect about the course of your life the loss of your brother the loss of your child and not really having the support that you would need that scene when she was walking back towards Aunt May, you ever see somebody just broken? Just dejected. Like, that yeah, was the, the I have nothing. Yeah. I have nothing I'm about to topple over. And that was, for me, a picture of grief. When I can barely hold myself up, I have nothing. It's me, myself, and I. And I don't know what to do because the weight of the world has crushed me and it keeps crushing, even though I'm already down. Right. 
Yeah, I mean, and I think, again, kind of going, you know, full circle to just her being able to have that relationship with on me, right, is that Mm -hmm. when she knew she couldn't even call her dad, Mm -hmm. you know, she knew that she could. I'm not surprised at all that that's where she ended up with for the rest of her life. Yeah, she knew that she would be welcomed. Right. Like that home was, you know, as cliche as it sounds, a safe space for her. Even when the opportunity came for Aunt May to shame her, when she saw the track marks on her arm. And she said, you don't need to hide that from me. Like, there's no judgment here. Like, in your worst experiences, for you to know that there's a witness, like a personal, someone who's personal to you witnessing remnants of your most horrible time in life, and for them to say, I'm not even worried about that. Like, that type of support, a lot of people don't have, unfortunately, that you can love me even if, right? And I think her being able to stand with her, still give her love, still support her, validate all those feelings. I'm just like, I mean, you are like the MVP of this whole entire episode. (laughs) (laughs) Because that's that sustaining love. Yes, yes. Yeah, and I think, you know, kind of speaking to what you're talking about, it definitely feels like something that Laurel was holding a lot of was just incredible guilt, right, Mm -hmm. about not knowing what happened to Randall and how can I even contact him. And so it really feels like something else that Aunt May was able to do was to help her to release some of that guilt, which is why I think the reunion in the water also was so incredibly powerful, because it feels like in some ways that gave her some peace, even in the afterlife. Mm -hmm. I'm glad you kind of said, you know, Aunt May did help her release some of that guilt because I do felt like she died with still experiencing shame and guilt. I can't remember. She was talking to Hi and she was like, you know, I wanted to figure out where he was, but I didn't feel like upending his life, essentially. Mm -hmm. And I'm just thinking about I wonder if there was more to that, you know, that shame aspect. Like if I go and look for my child. And you're, you know, however old you are. And you ask me, well, why didn't you come get me sooner? Having to retell your story, a story that you don't even feel comfortable owning. Right. Like, I can't even imagine the weight of that for her. Mm hmm. I think it was also really telling that when Randall did get this vision of her in the water, it wasn't an asking of a question of like, why did you leave me? Right. Like it feels Mm -hmm. like he had already made peace with what the story was. And so that they could have that moment of really just being able to be connected in that way. And so, and then to be able to part, you know, kind of knowing that what they've kind of come to do has been accomplished. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. Hmm. That I, I think I need to just go rewatch. <laughs> I mean, you can definitely do worse things with your time than I'm to rewatch kidding. this episode, even if it's just for that scene. Right? Oh my gosh! It's yeah, just so good. the water was just the water scene was just incredible, right. and, she and I apologize to him. Oh. Yes, yes. Yes. I mean, and and he will keep that with him. Right. And I think Uh that's why we see in the next scene how much this has opened him up right now. We know we're going to head into this whole situation. So on the way back to Philadelphia from New Orleans, we see that he calls Kevin after they have not been talking for some time. Right. Uh Um, And then immediately after we see that Kevin gets in an accident. So I'm sure that's where we're going to focus now. But it feels like 
having a completion to this story has now made space for him to kind of think through like, okay, what other things do I just need to let go of in my life? Right. And to show up fully in his relationships, especially with his siblings, because I think, you know, we've been seeing hints of, you know, the reckoning of Reno's experience as a Black child in a white family and whether or not space was held for him. I do think that Jack and Beck tried but, you know, I still can't get over the fact that, you know, Rebecca did know where his dad was and then was like, Mm-mm. <laughs> you can't have no contact with him. So right. that's still a sore spot. But I just think about just his siblings and whether or not they really realized the impact of how they related to Randall. I think they just saw him as brother instead of, oh, my brother's black. What does this mean? Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. 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 It definitely feels like we are kind of, I mean, I think that story did a lot both for Randall, you know, as a character, but also for us as viewers Mm -hmm. in that it did provide some additional context. Cause you're right. I feel like they have just kind of seen him as like their brother, but not understanding like what it means to actually be a whole black man in the world. So seeing them having like a reckoning day, because that, that scene with him and Kate, I can't remember what episode it was. And, you know, she was, all in full tears. And he's like, I know you feel this way, but I feel my way and I need to prioritize me. Or when Kevin called him and he's like, ah, this is not a good time. I got to prioritize me. Randall has never done that. He literally always does for everybody else. And I really like the fact that he was enforcing those boundaries, even though I do feel like it was out of survival at that point. Mm-hmm. But I think moving forward, it's going to be different in terms of how he prioritizes himself and his family and still holds space for his siblings. Yeah, yeah, you're right. So I'm excited to stay tuned to see kind of where they go. Like I said, I'm sure a lot of the focus now will be on whatever happens with Kevin in his car accident. And, you know, I think he Ooh. was rushing because his fiance was in labor. Um, right. So and he you know, already sure felt guilty because, you know, they did that flashback. Randall told him not to leave and he still left. Like, oh, we're going to be OK. So I think some of those same feelings contributed to his feelings of not wanting to leave Madison. Mm-hmm. And so I think, oh, I can't wait. I'm just trying to retain <laughs> the little edges that I have left. To make Hold it on to them now. tight. Hold <laughs> on tight. Yeah. So I'm not sure if we're getting a new episode this week. I know they had been having some issues with recording, you know, of course, due to right. COVID-19 stuff. So we will just be staying tuned to, to get that new episode whenever we get it. I think it's supposed to be next week because when I had looked it up, I think the first episode on the schedule was February 9th. Ah, so, okay. Okay. So we will yeah, just hold I'll on. Maybe watch that. this one another time. Right. To hold I us had over. two weeks of disappointment. <laughs> I can't afford that. Right. <laughs> right. We'll be back to get into Merit at First Sight right after this break. Nowadays, a lot of these big companies pretend to care about our communities and issues with nothing more than lip service. State Farm is the opposite. They're actively investing in programs and initiatives that help educate in financial literacy, give early career advice, and grow Black-owned businesses, thus leading to generational wealth, which helps protect the future of our communities. Seeing our communities grow and thrive is something they care deeply about. They want to build a future that we all can be proud of. State Forum understands that representation alone doesn't mean authenticity, that it takes a good neighbor to sponsor programs like the AXO, a year-long program that recognizes and rewards high school students for their academic and cultural achievements, and to fund programs like Project Ready, a National Urban League program committed to the educational achievement of Black and Brown youth 
that to date participants have been awarded over $11 million in scholarship offers. State Forum believes that being better neighbors creates better communities and can have a long-lasting impact. Like a good neighbor, State Forum is there. Hey ladies, it's Dr. Joy here. May is High Blood Pressure Education Month. It's crucial for us, especially as Black women, to focus on our heart health. We pour our heart and soul into every aspect of our lives, but often our own health takes a back seat. That's where release the pressure comes in. It's all about us, Black women seeing self-care as an essential act of self-preservation. Whether it's for yourself, your family, or our community, your health is invaluable. Let's help to get our goal of 100,000 Black women putting their hearts first and learn more about their heart health. Here's how you can join in. Head over to iHeartRadio.com RTP for a chance to receive a $1,000 gift card to take care of yourself and prioritize your heart health. Let's make our health a priority. Visit iHeartRadio.com RTP today. Together, we can make a difference in our health and our lives. Join us and let's take care of our hearts together. May is Asian American and Pacific Islander Heritage Month. And Macy's is highlighting some really cool AAPI-owned brands right now, online and in-store. Some of my favorites are the jewelry from Hey Maeve and the skincare products from Kaja. For the entire month of May, join Macy's in supporting AAPI-owned fashion brands. You can show your support by donating online or by rounding up in-store to benefit APIA scholars. APIA is the nation's leading nonprofit organization devoted to the academic, personal, and professional success of Asian American, Native Hawaiian, and Pacific Islander students. Join me by rounding up your purchase to the nearest dollar at checkout to support API scholars, an educational nonprofit. Shop Asian American and Pacific Islander-owned brands at Macy's.com or in-store. You may be aware that most people who are Black have O-type blood. O is commonly needed for emergencies and life-saving measures. But did you know one in three of us is a match for patients with sickle cell disease? You, along with the American Red Cross, regardless of your blood type, can help by donating blood. Every day, our blood saves lives and eases the pain for those living with sickle cell. When you donate blood, there is a direct, positive impact within our community. Right now, there is great need for blood donations in the African-American community. Every donation counts and makes a difference in someone's life. Donate blood at Red Cross to help save a life. Black excellence is in our blood. Visit redcrossblood.org slash ourblood to make an appointment now. How many times have you arrived in Orlando and suddenly realized you forgot the kids? But then you remember you had no intention of bringing the kids. You are in Orlando to enjoy yourself. It's an amazing opportunity to have fun and experience all the fun Orlando has to offer. Sure, Orlando is known as the theme park capital of the world, but there's so much more to this destination. It's the place where adults can become kids again, and happy hour happens any hour with never-ending food festivals, fresh new dining experiences, and outdoor adventures from zip lining to its beautiful natural springs. And, of course, fireworks every single night. Plus, you have loads of entertainment options, see unique neighborhoods, and can even visit their blossoming arts and culture. Orlando has everything for an amazing getaway with your loved ones or friends, including exciting thrill rides, lush, lazy rivers, 
and world-class golf and spas. Yes, there's more to see, do, and experience than you'd expect. In Orlando, anything is possible if you can imagine it. Plan your escape today and save at visitorlando.com. So something else that we have been chatting about on the timeline is Married at First Sight. So we are now in season 12 and I feel like I like really was into it like the first couple of seasons and then some Mm -hmm. of those middle seasons I don't even remember because I did not know we were already up to 12 seasons. I didn't either. I I (laughs) think I watched the first ever season which was with Jamie and Otis and the little fire truck guy. I can't remember. I I watched the first season. Okay. So you haven't watched anymore, but you've been watching this season. Oh, yes. Yes. So I actually <laughs> also got really into it last season because they were shooting in New Orleans and, you know, mm. I'm from Louisiana. So I was really into the couples there. And mm-hmm. this season, you know, kind of came pretty quickly after that one ended. So I figured I'd stay tuned. So we have there are five couples this season, two black couples, which is, you know, typically the ones that I am most interested in. Right. Um <laughs> And so it is already seeming like it's going to be prime for drama. So this season is shot in Atlanta. So all the couples are Atlanta based. And so, you know, we are just into, I think, episode three of the show will be this week, I believe. So we have just finished the wedding. So I'm guessing we're moving into honeymoons next. Mm -hmm. And so I would just first love to hear your thoughts as a marriage and family therapist about the show and like shows like this where like people are paired together without ever having seen one another well as a marriage and family therapist I am very interested in what goes into how they pair the couples yeah right I think it was Chris from Married at First Sight who was talking about how they did a questionnaire and it was really long Mm-hmm. And I said, okay, so there's obviously some type of, these are your questions. Let's see how your values and how you respond. It pairs up with another person. I think they prioritize some of those things. Like if they want to have kids, mm-hmm. if they want a partner who's home all the time or not home all the time. So I do think there's a compatibility assessment that they do in terms of features. Cause that's a big thing. I don't know how much of that comes into play. And I say that because I think about Jamie and Otis. Mm-hmm. Um, Doug. I think her I last name Doug is Otis. Otis. Yeah. Otis. Yes. I'm thinking about their uh, IG page. Oh, um, yeah. <laughs> right. And so how she came down the aisle and sis was crying because she was initially not attracted to him. And I think about Chris and how from he this season he, from this season. Mm hmm. And how he was like, oh, he's not attracted to Paige. So I'm just like, I wonder how much of the aesthetics holds a weight in this compatibility. So I think when it comes to Vincent and Brianna, you sense off the top a compatibility, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Who is it? Eric and Virginia, they seem like opposites. The pilot and then the one who's like... So I'm just like... Are they placing the couples together? Like, okay, we want them to win or we want them because they're going to have drama. Like, I I don't understand it. 
Yeah, so it doesn't feel like they have been super clear about what kinds of factors they use to match them. I mean, you know, so of course they talk to the matchmakers. I mean, it's a panel of three or four. I think it differs between each season. But this season, I think they've had three. And so they talk a little bit about like, oh, their ambitions kind of match or you will hear them say like, oh, they're both really interested in starting a family. Mm -hmm. So those are the things that like it seems like they talk about most often. But since like attractiveness is so subjective, I don't know how they really would be able to kind of match for that. And especially when you are marrying somebody that you like know nothing else about all you're going to have is like your initial attraction. And so it seems like people just react very strongly when they are not like initially attracted to their person from the beginning. Right. And it feels like it it, it takes a a very long time, if ever, for them to recover from it. Right. Because I think from the jump, the level of investment is tied to the aesthetics. Right. I think that, There are the values, the core values that do matter. Like, okay, do you want to have kids? Do you not want to have kids? Do you enjoy having close bonds with uh, your in-laws or not? Like there are certain things that that can make or break a relationship because people typically will not compromise on like, let's say like those top three to five things. But typically those people have seen each other and it's like, okay, well, you've passed the first test of looks. Now let's see if our core values align right? Versus in this situation, you are now paired because of your values. There's potential for you all to be able to work and to have a great marriage. But if I didn't really get your dream person, visual, your, <laughs> the visual of your dream person, right? You literally have to fight to move past that in order to allow those values to contribute to that person being attractive to you Hmm. yeah I mean because under you know different circumstances like typically right like there may be some like warming up to a person right but you have more time whereas here you're like married from the beginning so there is no time to warm up mm-hmm. so I think about Chris's comment when he was like I think Paige is what I need versus what I would have wanted right And I think that's a very important conversation because we do know that these are the things that we need in a partner, right? The things that the attributes of that person that will complement us, the type of life that we want to live, but the things that we want, are those things negotiable, right? If he's not six feet, are you okay with a five, five, right? If she doesn't have long hair, are you okay with a woman who has short hair? You know, how much weight do people put on the wants versus the needs? And I wonder if the relationship coaches and all of those folks who put them together, if they put more weight on this is what this person needs, right? In Mm -hmm. order to do great in a marriage. Yeah. And I do think that there is something to that, right? Like, because we know, you know, that there are definitely things beyond just attraction that really make a relationship successful. 
But it feels like jumping to the marriage piece is where they get like really caught up, right? Like I wonder if the experiment was we've played matchmaker and this is somebody we think would be a really good match for you. And you maybe just have to live with them for a couple of months as opposed to like then having to divorce them. Now, of course, that probably is less dramatic for TV, but I feel like that would be a far better kind of an experiment than like them getting married immediately. Well, I think about Love is Blind. Like, uh-huh. I am seeing Lauren and Cameron all <laughs> day. All day. Yes, yes. Because they were able to, you know, be, you know, build an attraction to each other without seeing each other with the thought of, okay, this is going to lead to marriage, right? So I think there was like a little bit of a buffer knowing that they had a way out versus you are not married and for whatever time period, you literally are committed to this person in every legal way possible. And I think that, yes, they do realize that, you know, at the end of it all, I can make a decision to either be divorced or to be married, but you really have to have a conversation with yourself. Like if these experts are the ones who said this person was my best fit and I don't agree with that, then what does that mean for me? Mm. Where do I place my values? Right. Mm -hmm. What is it that's really important for me? Maybe I'm really not ready to be married. Maybe I'm really not looking for, you know, what I wrote down on this paper. Right. You have yourself and your family on nationwide TV. And essentially you're inviting people into your personal life. I would think it's because you really are serious about being married. Like this process, I think is like what a year long. You have to do a psyche vow. You have to do all of these things. So I would think that the people on the show are invested into seeing if something worthwhile will come out of this. I don't know. Maybe the being married really quickly is for shock factor, or maybe it's to remove the option of choice from the onset. Like, well, this is your person. Right. Right. Like, like you said, I mean, I think you make some good points, right? Like if you're saying you really want to be married and these people have expertise in the kinds of things that keep couples together and they've given you somebody who they think you have a good shot with, you're right. Like maybe you do need to reexamine whether you're even really ready for the commitment or whether what you're saying you want is what you really want. Right. Because obviously something wasn't working before, which is why you weren't married. Right. Right. you, You know that there was an issue. I think, who was it? Eric? who said that he was divorced and he mm-hmm. was like, you know, I'm divorced and I really want something that's long-term because his relationship didn't work out because he's a pilot and it's just, you know, his previous partner wasn't down for the cause. So hopefully with Virginia, you know, she won't have an issue with that based off of what she reported in her answers. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So when you think about the fact that, you know, we have had 12 seasons of the show now, I don't know exactly what the number is in terms of like the couples that are still together, but I know that more of them are now apart than are together. Mm-hmm. Right. So I wonder if you have some thoughts on what makes the difference for like the ones who stay together versus the ones who go their separate ways. I would be more interested in knowing for those who didn't stay together, do they have significant platforms if that makes sense do they have like a huge following like how have they used being on the show Mm -hmm. to their advantage versus those who haven't and I only wonder about that is because of investment level like I was saying before am I on this show to really see if I can get a partner that I can spend the rest of my life with 
or do I have other motivations right. That's <laughs> for a good point. being on the show? I, I, uh, I, yeah, I, I mean, it's very clear. Right. I think sometimes that people like get on shows like this because they like have uh, wishes to kind of be a star or something. Right. Yeah. And I also just think about if for the show, if if I'm one of the experts, they can call me if they need some help too. But, <laughs> <laughs> I am more than willing. But if I'm on the show, right, and I'm looking at the data of how many couples have stayed together versus not stayed together, have we changed up the strategy to increase the success rate, right? I do understand you have to factor in the human variable. Humans have their own free will and choice. But what went into the choice to not stay together? What did we miss, right? And how have we changed our strategies in order to increase the likelihood that these couples that we pair together will actually stay together, you know? Right. Yeah, and speaking of that, I feel like if I had seen Chris's application, I might have flagged him like, uh, is he really committed to this, right? Because if I'm not mistaken, he was actually engaged the same year that this happened, right? This was last year, I believe. That, and we're watching it now, but it happened in 2020. Right. That's what I don't understand. Because if the process is really that long, right? But he was engaged to be married at the top of 2020. Does that mean he had already started the application process? Mm. Then, like, you, it, it, the timeline... Right. Something is not adding up. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I'm not an investigator. Something is looking a little suspicious. It just doesn't make sense to me, right? Like, you need about a year to do this process. So, you know, I don't know. But I just think about people who talk about, okay, well, he was engaged at the top of the year. And now he's on the show months later. Was he really ready? Right. Right. And so I'm like, well, some folks are ready to be married. That doesn't mean that they're ready to be married to that specific person. Right. They want marriage. They have an idea what marriage looks like. He talks a lot about family legacy. That's Mm -hmm. really important to him. Like he's like, my last name is a brand. And so that's one of his values. And so does it matter who you have that legacy with at this point? Right. If that's Mm -hmm. what you're prioritizing. But if you're prioritizing a fruitful partnership, one that's, you know, of love, commitment, you want to build with that person. I want to be with you, whether or not you're able to have children. I'm not trying to be with you just for the purpose of having kids, but for you, the person that that you are, the investment looks different versus someone who's looking to satisfy their personal needs. Very good points. Yeah. So I think, you know, already it's looking like there's going to be lots to talk about related to him and Paige this season. I mean, I think that there will be some with all of them, but it's already looking like there's going to be a lot of energy related to his relationship with Paige. Right. So. right. And you can tell, you know, based off of the show, what couples yes. looking like they're rooting for. Right. An interesting part of the wedding episodes was when the family was giving advice mm. and giving descriptors, right? And I'm thinking, okay, obviously in-laws play a really huge factor in the success of a relationship. It's really hard 
to, you know, be married to someone whose family either doesn't like you or who has strong opinions of what your role should be and whether or not you're meeting the expectations of that role. I think the next episode, they're going to tell us a little bit more about the families and, yeah. and all of that. But I keep going back to Chris and Paige because I don't think his parents are together. But when they were giving advice, it seems like his mom gave more advice about, hey, I know he said he wants to have kids, but it's okay to slow down and not need to feel rushed. And his dad was more so, this is my son. These are his sexual needs. These are the things that he's going to want in order to be satisfied. So just know that yes. that is your job. Too much. Just too much. I, it was very, very, um, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> as compared to Vincent and Brianna, you had... She has great girlfriends, FYI. Mm-hmm. She has great girlfriends. But the type of conversation, it was more so of getting to know each other, getting to know what are your likes, dislikes, what are your wants. And because your friends can peak a lot from your potential partner. And Paige's friends definitely saw some things that were red flags right. as compared to Brianna's friends who were like, okay, I'm getting good advice from him. I'm noticing he's saying certain things that highlight us and we versus I and I and I, mm-hmm. you know? So, yeah. It's going to be interesting how that plays out. So I would love to hear any advice you might have, Beverly, for like, let's say, you know, there's somebody listening who finds themselves on season 14 of Married at First Sight, right? Mm-hmm. What advice might you give to a couple who finds themselves in that situation? So my first thing would be, communicating your needs to your partner because essentially that person is a stranger to you and so they're not going to really know your quirks or your unspoken (laughs) desires Um, so as you're learning each other you're gonna have to be just very overt with your needs like hey this is bothering me I would appreciate it if you would stop or if you want to talk about sexual needs hey, I really enjoy when you do this. I would like for you to do more of this, right? Because you want to be able to study each other and also have patience with studying each other. Because being, you know, in a marriage, it's a lifelong study of the person because people evolve. And so who you met on day one is not going to be the same person that you're still married to, hopefully 5, 10, 15, 50 years down the line, right? So always have that curiosity about who you are in partnership with. I think if you have that cur- that curiosity and you're consistently interested in them, I think that would help with the investment of the relationship because no one wants to feel like, okay, well, do you not care about learning the things that I like or, you know, engaging with me? I think that's a, a big factor. Yes. And I'd love to hear if you have any ideas for people who might consider signing up for a show like this, right? Like what kinds of things do you think you need to think about for yourself before you sign up for a show like Married at First Sight? Okay, so I would definitely want folks to think about, are there any areas of my life that I am unhealed from that could possibly be a detriment to the relationship? We all carry baggage, but there's different baggage that's heavier than others. And if you have some serious stuff that, you know, you haven't taken the time out to prioritize, it's going to be very difficult to prioritize that while prioritizing somebody else in a relationship. So be sure to, you know, have a conversation with self about, okay, do I need to do some personal work? Also to reflect on 
what would be my motivation for going on the show? Do I really want to be married? How much am I willing to make this work? Am I willing to be open and vulnerable on TV where millions of people can see me? Because, I mean, I don't know if it's a factor for some of the couples that are on the show now, but I can imagine if you have an issue with communicating to your partner and being vulnerable, there's no way you're going to be motivated to do so on national TV. So just being honest with yourself and what you're willing to do in order to find and keep love. And if that is actually helpful or hurtful for you. I think I would add to that to really be honest with yourself about what your reaction might be if you are matched with somebody who you don't find yourself physically attracted to, right? Right. Like, you know that that's a very real possibility of a situation like this. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, if you feel like, oh, I just, that would be like the worst thing that could happen, then this might not be, you know, the kind of experiment that you want to sign up for. Exactly. Because at the end of the day, you have to be married to them and you have to look at them. Right. So if you have certain non-negotiables, then I would suggest that you don't even put yourself in that situation. But if you're open and you're and, and you're flexible, I mean, if the person has all their teeth and, <laughs> you know, if the necessities are there, love and attraction can grow. But if there are certain things that, you know, is just I'm not willing to compromise and you can't leave that up to chance because you won't even give the relationship a fair shot because you have your non-negotiables. Right. Very, very good points. Well, we will be staying tuned. So if y'all want to live tweet with us on Wednesdays, you can find us over on Twitter. Uh, So Beverly, please tell people where they can find you if they'd like to learn more about you and your work. You guys can find me at your favorite MFT on all social platforms. I think that if you engage with me, I will engage with you back, especially when it comes to This Is Us. And Married at First Sight, I love to have a good conversation. And you can also check out my website, beheartcounseling.com, if you're interested in clinical services, if you live in Florida, New York, or New Jersey. Perfect. Well, we will definitely include all of that in the show notes. And thank you so much for joining us today, Beverly, to chat about some of our favorite TV. Thank you so much for having me. I really enjoyed it. I can't wait to see how the season rolls out. (laughs) Me too. I'm so glad Beverly was able to join us for today's conversation. To learn more about her and her work, visit the show notes at therapyforblackgirls.com slash session 193. And please text two sisters right now and tell them to check out this episode. Don't forget that if you're looking for a therapist in your area, be sure to check out our therapist directory at therapyforblackgirls.com slash directory. If you want to continue digging into this topic, or just be in community with other sisters, come on over and join us in the Yellow Couch Collective. It's our cozy corner of the internet designed just for Black women. You can join us at therapyforblackgirls.com slash YCC. Thank y'all so much for joining me again this week. I look forward to continuing this conversation with you all real soon. Take good care. Hey ladies, it's Dr. Joy. As women, we put our hearts into everything. May is High Blood Pressure Education Month, and it's time to focus on our heart health. Release the Pressure wants to help Black women look at self-care as an act of self-preservation. During High Blood Pressure Education Month, let's help get to our goal of 100,000 Black women 
putting their hearts first and learn more about their heart health. Visit iHeartRadio.com RTP for a chance to receive a $1,000 gift card to take care of yourself and prioritize your heart health. That's iHeartRadio.com RTP. You may have heard that most people who are Black have O-type blood. O is commonly needed for emergencies. But did you know one in three of us is a match for patients with sickle cell disease? Regardless of blood type, every day our blood saves lives and eases the pain of those living with sickle cell. Donate blood at Red Cross to help save a life. Black excellence is in our blood. Visit redcrossblood.org slash ourblood to make an appointment now. Looking for hair removal tools that not only deliver smooth results, but also empower you with a sense of complete control? Enter Conair Girlbomb, your secret weapons for smooth, sleek results made just for women. From the ultimate Girlbomb grip and professional-grade blades, you don't have to compromise and settle for less. Conair Girlbomb equips you with the precision and power previously reserved for men's grooming tools. So take your hair removal routine to the next level with Conair Girlbomb. Available at conairgirlbomb.com or a retailer near you. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Nowadays, a lot of these big companies pretend to care about our communities and issues with nothing more than lip service. State Farm is the opposite. They're actively investing in programs and initiatives that help educate in financial literacy, give early career advice, and grow Black-owned businesses, thus leading to generational wealth, which helps protect the future of our communities. Seeing our communities grow and thrive is something they care deeply about. They want to build a future that we all can be proud of. State Farm understands that representation alone doesn't mean authenticity, that it takes a good neighbor to sponsor programs like the AXO, a year-long program that recognizes and rewards high school students for their academic and cultural achievements, and to fund programs like Project Ready, a National Urban League program committed to the educational achievement of black and brown youth that to date participants have been awarded over $11 million in scholarship offers. State Farm believes that being better neighbors creates better communities and can have a long-lasting impact. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. 